Good evening, Vancouver. Welcome back to Canucks After Dark, the June 20th edition from two hosts on opposite sides of the globe. I am one of your hosts, Parker's Pox, and as always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. However, not as always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay, live from Helsingborg, Sweden. How are you doing today in the lovely uh, west coast of sweden parker thank you for asking it is truly this is truly a global show now isn't it uh, canucks after dark for you canucks first thing in the morning here it is 7 a.m here in helsenborg and i'll just say this uh different setup you know i got my back to the fisheye the original webcam my little goofy lapel mic a very understanding roommate thank you martin <laughs> okay don't worry about it just go back to sleep it's fine <laughs> oh he's great i, I think i want a beer and a bit of an ordeal uh, getting Jacob's bowling balls here, but we will make it all work. Thank you for asking. Yep, you have been uh, one of the uh, one of the one of the victims of the uh, Toronto airport fiasco uh, of these last couple of weeks here. Yeah, uh, the yeah. bowling balls have not made it to uh, to Sweden, which is unfortunate because those are a little important, I imagine, for bowling. Yeah. Like Parker, um, imagine imagine like the World Juniors <laughs> showing up in like Helsinki to play. And their sticks aren't there. Like that's that's the equivalent of kind of the stress we've been through for the past few days. How custom are bowling balls? Are they they're made that's to the person, or is, it, or is there a is there a spec that's standard for everybody? In essence, I'm not an expert. My roommate actually would be, but you can buy one off the rack. But it's all in how you what you drill the holes because they're set to your hand. That's basically mm. the biggest thing. So we were able to find balls, no problem. And then they have to drill them, which they can do pretty quick. And then, so Jacob got two yesterday. We bought two new balls and we're just presuming that his balls aren't going to show up here. And Jacob, to his credit, focused in for the, for the practice. And he doesn't start actually until tomorrow. So on my birthday, which is tomorrow, the 22nd, that's his first day of competition. The girls start today. So Martin's daughter starts today. Jacob starts tomorrow. Excellent. Well, hoping all the best uh with the with the fresh bowling balls that are that are hopefully drilled well mm -hmm. yeah martin's just giving me sorry martin he martin's just saying yeah and jacob bolts two-handed so he, he's got even one less a hole to worry about if that makes sense because he only he doesn't oh. use a thumb yeah but we'll do a bowling a show thing. later bowling after dark interesting all right uh we've got some some interesting topics to go over tonight um and this morning in sweden um this would have been a very now that i'm thinking about it we would have had almost nothing um might have had to dip into the preseason predictions but we don't have to do that yet as we do have uh some big news with andre kuzmenko signing with the canucks we get into that we'll uh, we'll touch on the stanley cup finals a little bit uh and where those are at um a couple other nhl related news coaching carousel keeps on spinning uh and uh and then we'll get to your topics that you submit in the uh, in the comments, uh, before we get started, uh, shout out Lucas with a $5 super chat, uh, saying yeah. going into Kuz control. Uh, I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, Ben like that a lot, in shambles uh, as his, uh, his nickname is getting stolen. Uh, but thank you very much, Lucas. Um, all right. Do we want to get right into our marquee topic of the night? Let's do it, brother. And as always lead the way. <laughs> all right. Andre Kuzmenko, 26 year old Russian playing in the Continental Hockey League, the main hockey league in the country of Russia, um, set to sign with the Vancouver Canucks, not officially signed yet, even though there was the picture of him that you saw in this thumbnail 
um, of him with a piece of paper in front of him in a Canucks jersey with a pen with a smile. Um, technically, he cannot sign with the Canucks until unrestricted free agency kicks off. I think that's July 13th. Mm-hmm. But for all intents and purposes, unless something goes tragically wrong, uh, Andre Kuzmenko will be a member of the Vancouver Canucks. Now, we'll start with sort of how we got here, and then we'll go into who Andre Kuzmenko is, what we can sort of expect from a player like Andre Kuzmenko. Because um, basically every year, there's always this like set of free agents. Sometimes there's a, there's usually a good bunch of college free agents, guys who never got drafted, uh, sort of um, you know grew into their role in their 19, 20, 21 year old seasons, and they usually make the NHL that way, right? Think Troy Stetcher, good example of that. Um, and then there's also a set of guys playing in Europe who maybe you know weren't excellent, weren't good enough to get drafted when they were 18, 19 years old, and have some sort of a breakout year. Um, we've seen it a couple of times. Uh, Vadim Shapachev was, was sort of my example that I used in my video. And we'll sort of touch on that. Uh, basically players who, uh, sort of go off for one year in the KHL where they have an excellent season and NHL teams start scouting and try to pick this guy up. Basically the Canucks end up in a sweepstakes. They, it was four teams. It was Vancouver. It was Edmonton. It was Vegas. And I don't even remember who the fourth was because they were sort of on the outside. Do you yeah. remember? Well, he started his trip in Florida. Maybe okay. Florida. I guess with Florida. Um, maybe, maybe. Or maybe it was Tampa. It might have been sure. one of the two. Um, either way, though, um, basically, hey, he had it narrowed down to four teams. And the smart thing to do as one of these unrestricted free agents is, I'm going to go get a dinner in each of these cities, get a little tour, get familiar with the organization before I make my decision. And they have every right to do so. Um, and so he went, he started in Florida. He ended up in Vegas just a few days ago. He was out in Edmonton where they took him to the upscale restaurant known as Joey, um, mm. AKA a, a standard chain, uh, just like cactus club here, basically. Um, and then he came to Vancouver and the, the Aquilini's wine and dined him. I had a night at blue water, had a night. I think it's Elisa or Eliza. One of those two, uh, steakhouse where you get a nice $200 steak. Um, and he has ended up choosing the Vancouver Canucks, foregoing his opportunity to maybe play on a line with Connor McDavid um, or maybe a more competitive team like Florida or Tampa, whichever one it was, or Vegas uh, in that sort of sense, uh, and has decided to come play with his former line mate, Vasily Podkolzin, uh, in Vancouver. Now, I guess we'll start with this part. Were you surprised that Vancouver ended up being the pick? Because we normally don't get nice things. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Parker, great breakdown. Um, you know, I just one, I think, point of clarification. I believe he did Blue Water here, and then they flew to Vegas, and they at a steakhouse there owned by the Aquilini. So uh, it was kind of weird, I think. I don't I, think I might be that's wrong with that. true. Oh, it was here? It was all here? It was here. Yeah. Okay, my bad. More importantly, I was not surprised. Uh, I was happily surprised a little bit, actually. I, I, I picked it as 50-50. I didn't think that... Um, in my head, maybe because he ended his trip here, we heard about Alvin and Rutherford making their way to him in the States, driving four hours, six hours. So, but it's hard to fight the Edmonton, you know, McDavid and and Dreisaitl and the Wayne Gretzky signed jersey. So with, with all those things, um, I truly pegged it at 50-50. And I was at a, a you know, I was watching Jake Bull with a brand new bowling ball. And I, I get a little not- notification on my phone. And I was I was thrilled. Like, I was legitimately thrilled. Maybe because I've had bad news the past three days. So I was I was uh, half surprised, but 100% happy 
if that makes sense. It, it wasn't a complete shock. But yeah, you're, you kind of hinted at this. We're not used to having things go our way this way. Justin Schultz, others. So it was really nice. Fabian Brunson back in the day, thank goodness. So it was nice to be on the winning side of this, so to speak. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I harp on the old regime from time yep. to time. Um, but when you hear the story of Bruce Boudreaux driving six hours to Ann Arbor, Michigan to meet with Kuzmenko last week, uh, and then Patrick Alvin also driving four and a half hours for that same meeting before this wine and dine, they could have waited, right? Mm. But they decided to get it ahead of it, meet this guy ahead of time, wherever he was staying and, and take the lead on this thing. That's something that we, we wouldn't have seen in the past. Um, Al Alvin said he's been sort of had his eye on this guy since 2014, 2015, right? We're talking seven, eight years ago that he sort of had this guy out of the corner of his eye when he was draft eligible back in the day. Mm. Um, you have um, basically b saying because of the, that meeting last week that the meeting in Vancouver was basically a formality, according to Rick Dollywell. Wow. Um, right. So he basically did just sort of string these other teams along. Uh, and we heard over the weekend, we heard um, guys like even Chris Faber um, say, you know, hearing that it's really leaning this way. And again, I, I told myself, yeah, probably not. You know, like, why would I get my hopes up? Um, but it did end up going this way. Um, and I guess we should talk about who this player is. You know, what role could he potentially fill in the Vancouver Canucks? Um, where did he come from? All of this stuff. So let me pull up the old hockey DB and tell a bit of a story. And as you do that, I don't know why I was thinking that Eliza was in Vegas. Um, blame it on the early morning fog. But yes, of That's course. So they they wind in Yelltown. here. <laughs> Which is here. <laughs> I get confused pretty easily, obviously. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right. So who is Andre Kuzmenko? Andre Kuzmenko, born in February 1996, so 26 years old, will be 26 until the latter half of this next season. Undrafted uh, back, I guess that would be the 2014 draft, he would have been eligible. So went mm -hmm. undrafted. After that draft, uh, signed on uh, with CSKA Moscow, basically one of the two marquee hockey teams in russia uh three points in 12 games the following year three points in 15 games so it's 18 year old 19 year old season nothing special uh following that 15 points in 34 then 25 hmm. points in 45 31 and 58 so again sort of just staying on the same path uh and then a little bit better in 2019 2020 i think they had a bit of a shortened season there uh, with covid uh 33 points in 49 games so we're getting up to you know, in over an 82 game pace, about a 55 point player in Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, then the previous year, or then the year after that, 2020, 2021, ends up with 37 points in 57 games, again, staying on that same track. And then this last year, he had a bit of a breakout, playing only 45 games, one of the lowest totals he's played, uh, putting up 20 goals, 33 assists for 53 points. Now, if you do some, some math, that is a 97 point pace over 82 games. Now the KHL oh. is not the NHL, right? Oh, so it's not, um, not a JT Miller. Is that what you're saying? No, you're not. The Canucks are not getting a 97 point player for <laughs> under a million dollars this year. But you know, you look at some comparables, you look at guys like Evgeny Dadunov who went and played in Russia um, for a handful of years before uh, coming back to North America when he was 26, Seven, I want to say 28. Well, the year before he came back 
after being just under a point per game, had 66 points in 53 games. Well, if you extrapolate that, that is a 102-point pace. So mm-hmm. five mm-hmm. points fewer over the course of a season. He came to Florida. He put up 65 points in 74, 70 points in 82, 47 points in 69. Now he's over the age of 30 and declining a little bit. But even this last year with Vegas, 43 points in 78 games. So if the Canucks are getting someone along these lines, right? If the Canucks are getting a guy who maybe turns out to be a 60-point player or even a 50-point player coming into the NHL at, keep in mind, the way this contract works, we'll get to this a little bit more, but he has to sign a one-year entry-level deal at a million dollars, basically. If they get one year of that value, that could be really crucial to this team's playoff hopes this year. Yes, well said. For a cash strap team, this is a huge win. Forget even the fact that he this is going to pave the way for maybe future free agents. This is finally a big free agent, a big name saying, I'm choosing Vancouver. It's obviously going to open up some eyes around the league. That's all good, right? That's future down the road, Parker. Right now, in the immediate 2022-2023 season, this is a potential top six player for a million dollars. We keep talking about having to outplay your contract, especially because of the mess kind of betting put us in cap-wise. This is such a home run from that aspect alone. Yeah. And it's not, that's the thing. This could go really poorly and he could be (laughs) terrible and nothing bad happened. Yep. Right. The Canucks can bury this contract 100%. He makes 80K if he gets sent to the minors. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, that's the the standard ELC. Um, best case, he's really good, and the Canucks extend him and have a have a solid player joining yep. their top six. Um, yep. It really just is a win win all around. Um, especially, you know, you look at the other teams he could have gone to. Th- uh, the other two of the other three were in the Canucks division, right? We're talking about Edmonton and Vegas, right? Yeah. Uh, adding a player for a million dollars to Edmonton's Edmonton's roster or Vegas's roster. That's a big boon for them and just solidifies their spot uh, near the top of the Pacific Division, right? Vegas missed the playoffs by a couple of points this year. You know, uh, adding a player like this, cost-controlled, really cheap for a year, would be absolutely huge for a team like them. Um, But it's the Canucks coming out ahead. um, Again, really thanks to the sort of punctuality and aggressiveness of this management group to go out and get this done before the other teams really had a chance. Parker, take a guess uh, without looking it up. If he got 50, let's say he played all 82 games and he got 50 points, take a guess what position that would put him in in uh, Canucks scoring. Just take a guess. Would that be like fourth? A bit lower, close. Okay, like fifth or sixth yeah, then? Sixth. Yeah, sixth? so Miller, 99. Yeah, Miller, Pedersen, Hughes, Horvat, Garland, and then Besser was there with 46, but he only played 71 games. So yeah, so he's uh, he'd be the fifth highest scoring forward um, on the Canucks. So I would take 50 points in a heartbeat. I would take 45, quite frankly. Yeah, that it would be, it would be great. Um, yeah. and, and that was sort of my mind. I was like, all right, they might be getting like a 40 point player, but yeah. then you look at Dadanov's stat line and you're like, well, maybe it could be a little better. Right. Um, keep in mind, we're, we're going off of one good year from yeah. Kuzmenko, right? Like he was decent in past years, sort of on like a 45, 50, 60 point pace. Um, had one great year, and that's what they're going off of. But that's a thing that happens a lot in the NHL. See guys like 
JT Miller, for example, who has had one excellent season in the NHL and now is going to get paid a lot of money because of it. Yes. Um, all in all, it is just uh, it just seems like a, a really solid move. There's no real downsides here. Uh, mm-hmm. Best case, he turns out to be really good. The Canucks extend him um, in January when I think they're allowed to. I think it's around there sometime. Yeah. Uh, and they can hopefully have a player uh, sort of into the future that they just add uh, in a top six role. Um, so that takes us to where do you think he's going to play? Mm. Um, what is your sort of what do you envision this roster to look like at this point? Let's assume for yep. the sake of argument that no one gets traded in the yep. next couple of weeks going into the draft. Okay. Uh, and then we'll, and then we'll brainstorm, you know, with some roster moves, what might happen. Okay. He is a right shot left winger. So I, well, this is what I would do. I would actually reunite the lotto line. I, I don't like this Miller, PD, and Horvat down the middle. I just think I would rather load up your top two lines. Uh, and, of course, there's a big asterisk here. We need Jason Dickinson to play like a, a regular third-line NHLer. And then if we you have sure Lamical, yeah, you have Lamical centering your fourth. So that's kind of the Richardson we think is gone. So that's the way I'm thinking, Parker. So if we go lotto line, I would have him with Horvat and Garland on the, on the second line. I'd line him up on the left. Um, give you a good threat there. Then what that does is that bumps Pearson down to three, maybe Pod Colson down to three. Pod Colson only played in the top six because Pearson was hurt. So you go Pearson, Pod Colson, and you go Dickinson. And then that means I know Hoglander turns out to be the odd man out, but someone's going to be the odd man out. Not everyone can play in the top nine. And then you have Hoglander kind of come in and out. Do you play him on a fourth line with Highmore and Lamico? I'm not sure if that's the best use for Hoglander. But at this point, I'm not saying he's a bust at all. No, he's only played two years. He, he can be good. But I would I would be tempted to see what Kuzmenko can do in the top six. Yeah, and I think that's the role he's going to get an audition in. And I think, mm. you know, it, it's weird. You know, you think, okay, a, a left winger that shoots right, that's kind of odd, right? Usually, wingers play on yeah. the strong side. Um, Pod Colson's the same, right? He's a right winger that shoots left. Um, they should just swap. No, no, it's just a Russia <laughs> thing. I'm not sure. Um <laughs> The thing is, that's that's a really valuable piece on a power play, too. Um, yes. You have a guy who basically gets to play his strong side on the power play, whether he's on power play one or two, right? We've yep. seen some weird mixtures of, of power plays. I'm sure he'll get some time on both. Um, but you can have a guy basically play that left wall where he's comfortable playing, and you get the inside track on the shot, um, which you always want, right, for a potential one-timer. You can't really do that on your strong side. Um, yeah. The puck has to cross your body. It's Angles don't work. Um, so that could be a really solid, um, piece there as well. I like your idea on putting the lot of line back together. Of course, I, I think mm-hmm. that's great. Um, and then, yeah, that, so that second line sort of falls into being Horvat. Um, I, I'd like to see Kuzmenko at least at the start of the season. And I'm sure that was one of the basis of them signing him was you're, you're going to get a spin in the top six, right? Totally. Totally. Um, at the very least, you're going to have a shot. Um, and that third piece is tricky, right? Do you go Connor Garland? which yeah. seems like a really solid piece. Do you go with Hoaglander? Do you go with Pod Colson? Do you go <laughs> with, I, I mean, you know, you still got Tanner Pearson lying around too, right? There's a bunch yeah. of, there's sort of a, a log jam of middle six, I think right now that the Canucks yeah. have, which is a, a good problem to have because then that starts to bleed into your bottom six as well. Um, so you're where, saying they did not say to him, Hey, come in and play with Jason Dickinson. That's not, uh, yeah. yeah. Or you okay. Lamico. I, I don't think that's the sales pitch. It was like, Hey, Connor McDavid, John Pond, John Pond. Hmm. 
You know, I think yeah. I think he'd lean a certain way in yeah. those cases. But again, I don't think they're going to give give the gift it to him, right? I think he's going to have yeah. to perform, and um, and I have no doubt that he'll be at the very least a decent player. Yes. Um, yeah. So if they don't make any moves, they have the they're really close to that sort of like scoring top nine that I like, right? Uh-huh. Lotto uh-huh. line, Horvat, Kuzmenko, Garland, and then you got yeah. what Pearson and Hoaglander. Or, or pod pods, yep. and yep. X center. Um, you know, that's, that's the trickier part. Um, I don't think Dickinson's a big piece of that, but y- you really do start to piece something together there. Um, yep. the problem is cap space, of course, mm. an issue. Um, and the looming JT Miller and Brock Besser deals. That need oh, to get I thought we'd make it a whole show without talking about those two guys. Well, I'm we kind of have kidding. to because, yeah. I mean, you now think, um, is Kuzmenko a replacement for JT Miller or Brock Besser? Of course wow. not. Wow. Of course not. He's not. Yeah. He's not that good. Yeah. Um, however, we have, before Andre Kuzmenko, we've had to discuss the possibilities of trading JT Miller, trading Brock Besser. Um, but if you're the Canucks, and you usually want to look at these things in a vacuum, but let's say they were looking at moving JT Miller. Because he's going to want a lot of money next year, right? Let's say he wants the whole seven or eight years, $8 million or whatever. Uh, Canucks can't afford that. Someone put a really good thread together on Twitter earlier today um, that sort of showed the age curves of Canucks history and when people had their best seasons. Spoiler alert, they were all usually within the 27 to 31 range. Basically every single player, right? Yeah. Well, that means, you know, if JT Miller, and, and that's not the case with everyone, right? Joe Pavelski is, is a perfect, perfect counterexample, but not everyone's mm-hmm. Joe Pavelski. Most people are more like the players who fall off um, in their later, uh, in their uh, early to late 30s, basically, their entire right. 30s. Well, if they were looking like, okay, well, let's see, what can we get the most value of here? We could have JT Miller for this one year and then lose him for nothing. That's mm-hmm. worst case, I think. Um, we could trade JT Miller at the draft, maybe recoup a bunch of assets and then have a guy like Kuzmenko try to fill at least partially his role or, or sort of treat Kuzmenko as another piece of the trade, right? So maybe you're getting a, a first round pick and a great prospect and Kuzmenko now for JT Miller and then not having to pay that salary on the books in the future. Um, and the third option is you sign him long-term which this Kuzmenko contract, at least for this year, has given you some some uh, given you a cheap body, uh, where maybe you go elsewhere for that for that cap constraint. Um, so regardless, this makes it easier, but we still don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, man. After next season, Parker, you're right. Because of his age, he's turning 27. That's the UFA age. Just because, as you said, he was undrafted. He's been playing the K for eight years. That's why he's 26 already. <laughs> so yeah. you, you could, he's going to need a new contract as you articulated. Yes, Miller, uh, Horvat's contracts, the, that's when they come off the books, obviously looking at extensions. So we're not out of the salary cap uh, mess yet, but what it does for this season, and I've seen some people talk about this too, is it allows um, Alvino Rutherford to get a bit more creative. Maybe you want to beef up the D. Maybe you want to bring in a a third line center that, that you're more comfortable in. Now there's at least a bit of room when you can bring in the top six for a million bucks. So I agree with everything you said. I think it, it further complicates things, but 
why not? You know, I have this feeling, Parker, tell me if you agree with this theory. Do you think maybe that Rutherford and Alvin have complete confidence in their negotiating? They also have a plan. It just simply hasn't been leaked out yet. I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, I haven't heard anything. Oh, I'm kind of worried we haven't heard anything. Well, you're not supposed to hear anything in a perfect world. It's just Benning's tenure was, uh, you know, rift with leaks all over the place. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So now you don't hear anything because there's a tight ship. Before yeah. you heard sporadic things, but you heard everything because there just wasn't <laughs> a lot of, of thought there at times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they've built this structure where I think they they know what each role is sort of worth um, and they can build around that. Um, I'm a little worried about the whole JT Miller thing because I know that he's yeah. a player that every GM wants to have basically and i'm worried that the canucks management wants him a little too much maybe but I, again it's really because it's all speculation right we've heard media say yeah miller's basically out we've heard media say yeah they want to extend miller um that's the tricky part um and yeah, yeah kuzmenko this year 925k that's great that's cheap it's yeah. nothing um but next what if he what if he plays really well right yeah what if he puts up I don't know, 20 points in the first 30 games. Yeah. Right. And maybe he's on a, and then extension day sort of comes around where the Canucks can either try to lock him up and maybe he's asking for four $5 million a year. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe they say, all right, well, we're out of the playoff hunt again. Maybe we use him as a rental, right? Cause we're not going to be able to resign him. Right? right. Who knows where we end up because of this. Um, I mean, best case scenario, he turns out to be a really good player and signs for, you know, a relatively decent deal and ends up being a, a piece of the future. But there's mm -hmm. still so many variables to get worked out really in the next three weeks that, um, you know, it'll really start to get pieced together on, you know, where the Canucks, how this Canucks roster is going to be assembled. Because right now, yeah, it's looking like they have a really solid offensive group. Um, yep. It also looked this way last year and it didn't turn out that way, though. Um, yes. until, you know, December. Um, and I, I don't think, I don't think everyone that's on the team now is going to be on the team come October 11th. Right. That's a really good point too. I think before we move off of Kuzmenko, one thing we should talk about is just kind of how he plays. You know, he's not the biggest guy. He's five, he listed at 5'11", 180. He's not the fastest guy we've ever seen. So why is he good? Well, he's got really good hands. He's got really good offensive instinct. Uh, I've seen some people in the chat, Parker, talk about how he can be a good, you know, from the, the hash marks in uh, on the power play because he's got good hands, got good hockey IQ. And a lot of the, admittedly, I didn't know a lot of his highlights until last night after we signed him. Then I started to say, oh, I better watch. And yeah, a lot of his goals come from, indeed, the faceoff dot down. Um, he, he makes smart plays, smart backdoor plays, cuts to the net, um, a good release. So kind of like Podkolzin like almost because you're never going to see Podkolzin you know, burn a guy or, or, mm -hmm. or deke a guy, but, but just solid to the net and a really good hand. So that's, I think that's the kind of player we should expect. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a type of player that every single team in the league wants. He's yeah. not huge. You know, would you rather him be six, three, two twenty? Sure. Right. Um, five eleven on the shorter end, right. You know, mm -hmm. most guys in the NHL are six, six, one plus. Yeah. Um, and you know, heights are always exaggerated. I'm sure in Russia, their, their height and weight calculations might be skewed a little bit. Um, uh, you know, Russia is known for their fairness in sport. Of course. Um, 
so you know maybe maybe he's five ten. By the way, um, he's got he's got a base right. You said one eighty. Hockey DB has him at one ninety four. Um, what the heck did I look at? Okay, I'm not sure. Again, I don't know which is more right. I there's so many sources. And, oh, I was uh, like cat friendly. Okay, maybe. Okay, that's fine. Okay, either way. Um, still though, you know whether he's one ninety four or one eighty. That's you know you can okay. You, can, you, you know what it was Parker? pounds of muscle if you need. No, my bad. I, I you really read the must centimeters. Still be asleep. You got it. <laughs> I did see one eighty centimeters on the on the page. Uh, that's great. Okay, so he's um, a bit bigger than I thought. Yeah. So either way though. Yeah. Um, a, a, just a, I am excited. It's, yes. it's going to be fun. Uh, Puckpedia tweeted out at four o'clock, basically mm-hmm. finalizing one year entry level deal, which is expected to be the max allowed, which is basically eight fifty five NHL yep. salary, 95 K signing bonus. So a nine fifty K cap hit. Uh, and then a uh, 850k in A level performance bonuses. So that's the you know all the the ones that all the entry level contracts get. So 950k if he hits all of his bonuses, it would be another 950 on the K the uh, 950k on the cap the following year if they didn't have cap space. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's ent- every entry level contract. And right, you know, right. I think we can safely say I hope he hits all those bonuses. Uh, cause, oh yeah, because yeah. that would be phenomenal. Yeah. So no, this is great. We we went for almost half an hour on Kuzmenko, which we wanted to do. I, I think I think we can be excited for so many reasons that we've outlined. But Parker, to me, it's not only the short term, i.e., outplaying the contract for less than a million dollars, but long term, this could be a, a, a staple in the top six. And optics wise, it's a huge. I can't stress that enough. It's a huge win for the Canucks. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, that's our Canucks news for the night. <laughs> The one, the one piece. Uh, when's the draft? How far out are we on that? Was it the seven? July seven eight? Yeah. All right. So we got uh, two and a half weeks until the draft, uh, which will be exciting. Canucks pick fifteenth. Um, I'll definitely stream it. I'm not sure yeah. what your plans are, um, but I'll we'll... be uh, bringing a bunch of kids back from camp, and then I'll watch your stream later. Perfect. Awesome. Um, all right. What else we got? The rest of the NHL, I guess. Let's touch on the Stanley Cup Finals. Because they are happening. Um, you do have a chance avalanche. to win a wager. I, I don't have a chance to win. I have a chance to tie. Oh, that's uh, if yeah. the Lightning win out. Um, so the Avalanche take games one and two. With game two just being a disaster. Um, <laughs> a So Wednesday, June 15th. A 4-3 overtime win for Colorado. A tight, yeah. fun game. Kind of what we were hoping from the Stanley Cup final. They take a two-day break. And Andre Vasilevsky looks completely mortal. The Avalanche put up a touchdown, seven nothing over the Lightning in Game Two, and then just tonight, a game that neither of us watched. I watched the first period uh, until I went out for a bit, but the Lightning bounced back. Yeah. Um, what was it? Horn outside. Uh, the Lightning bounced back with a four-goal second period to win this game six to two. Um, another one, Colorado outshot Tampa 39-32, but guess who showed up? It was Andre Vasilevsky, who is a little bit better than Darcy Kemper, uh, yeah. which is my hot take for the night. Um, Good take. A, Good uh, take. A, a big win for Tampa, and they're right back in it. Uh, you know, If Tampa wins this next game at home, uh, then we have at least six, uh, and things start mm-hmm. to get really interesting uh, where Colorado looks so, so dominant in those first two games. 
Yeah, it was. So for game two, Parker, I went to bed for a couple hours. Then I, I woke up. Swedish time, we are nine hours ahead of Vancouver. So I got up at 2 a.m. to watch the game. And I watched two periods. And after it was up 5 nothing, I said, no, I think uh, my sleep is more important than, than this thrashing. You knew that Tampa was going to respond. I actually thought that Colorado was going to win game three, but Tampa would win game four. I, I But you you didn't think Tampa would get swept. They're the defending Stanley Cup champion, two-time their big guys came to play. Vasilevsky, Hedman, Stamkos, Kucherov, and Palat. Vasilevsky plays well. And the, those other four guys I mentioned all got two points apiece. And, you know, McKinnon's been quite quiet. The, even in the wins, he hasn't been dominant. McCarr got his two points again. He's probably going to be the, you know, Conn Smythe winner if Colorado wins. But uh, overall, yeah, I haven't seen any of the highlights yet. I just read the stat sheet just before we came on. And, um, Tampa played like champs, I guess, is, is the best way to put it. And now we have a series, which is what, kind of what we both wanted, regardless of who we want to win or what we wagered. Um, we want a good series. Yeah, it is a surprising stat. You know, Nathan McKinnon, two points on the yep. uh, on how many goals have they yep. scored? Uh, I guess six seven. plus four or seven yep. plus four is 11 plus two is 13. So in 13 yeah. goals, Nathan McKinnon only involved in two of them. Um mm-hmm. Little just going to money puck. I like the old deserve to win o meter. Uh, yeah. tonight's game, Colorado 76 percent chance, uh, deserve to win. Uh, over the Lightning's 24 percent. Uh, because wow. like I said, the Lightning or the or Colorado with uh, a pretty dominant game, and the heat map is just the heat map is ugly. Um, yeah. the, the amount of high danger chances Tampa allowed that Andre Vasilevsky just didn't let through. Parker, I'm gonna, oh, sorry, I'm gonna just gonna. If you block out the camera for two seconds because my roommate needs to make a move, keep talking. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually just going to share this really quick because uh, awesome. I think it's, I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, Martin's laughing share, in the background. <laughs> share uh, window. This guy. Okay, so this is the this is the heat map from this game. Uh, just yeah. let me zoom in on it. But I mean, you look at the you look at the chances of scoring, right? You look at how much red or how much maroon is just in this box here. Um, Tampa had a lot as well, but Colorado expected goals 6.68 in all situations. They scored two tonight, uh, and especially this third period. No goals wow. were scored in the third period, um, and you see chances like this uh, with yeah, Parker, a... Explain why is there that big vertical right where your mouse is? Why is that big, that big vertical jump for Colorado? So there was a, a Landeskog tip that had a 66% chance of going in. On average, the Vasilevsky saved another one here, uh, Lekkinen tip that had a 61% chance of going in and then a McKinnon wrist shot that had a 60% chance of going in uh, and Vasilevsky stopped them all, uh, which was a wow. big jump in their expected goals for the night. Um, you said McKinnon, not much of an impact expected goals. 1.42 in this oh, game. Whoops. Isn't able to get one uh, Landeskog with 2.54. Uh, so these, this top line here, uh, yeah. was actually fantastic tonight uh, for Colorado, uh, especially, you know, we go five on five, a little bit less so, a lot of power okay. play, uh, it looks yeah. like. Um, but, I mean, that's that's Andre Vasilevsky for you, I guess, um, stopping yeah. basically five goals above expected in just one game. Wow. Well, thank you for explaining that. Uh, Tampa did block 27 shots as well, so I, I, I'm sure that's a big part of it as well. Mm-hmm. But, well, the, the, you know, that... Uh, that graph's kind of cool. I don't understand a thing about it, but uh, you explain it very well. So what? Okay, 
regardless of what we want, what do you think is going to happen for the rest of the series? Truly. Um, we'll see. We'll see Colorado's bounce back, right? And they've only yeah. lost twice in the playoffs coming to tonight. This is their third loss. They are now 14 and three. Um, to me, that is a team that is too hot to fail almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. it really, it, it really is a team that has played better than their opponent three games in a row. Um, we've talked mm-hmm. about Andre Vasilevsky and Igor Shosturkin at the same time. We, we would always say this about both of them. These are goalies that if there's any goalie that can steal a game, it's these two. Well, yes, Vasilevsky stole one tonight. That's genuinely what happened. He is going to have to continue to do that in every game because we are seeing that Colorado is the better team. They deserve to be here and they deserve to win. But Tampa Bay has a better goalie and the best goalie in the National Hockey League. And that's really going to be the difference maker. So there's really two ways a series goes. Colorado puts up six next game, yep. or they yep. put up one next game. Is basic. There's probably I don't think they're going to score three, and win like three two. I yep. think it's either going to be Vasilevsky being basically perfect or struggling, uh, and that's going to be what decides the series. Because I think we're going to see another game like this one where Colorado is expected to win, let's say seventy percent of the time, mm-hmm. and then we're in coin flip territory, right? Uh, to oh. see, all right, can they hit on that 70% um, more often than not? It's so fascinating because if I didn't know any of those advanced stats, Parker, I would say, well, this is a defending champion who back at home. Because when you think right. of those two things, you think that would make sense. 6-2, okay, Tampa must have put in a dominant performance. I just talked about their their five best players being their five best players, but then you, you read off those fancy stats yeah, it does feel like a matter of time, and this was just a slight blip in the road for for Colorado for sure. So whether that means they take Game Four and then finish things off at home in Game Five, we could see a five-game Stanley Cup. Who knows? But I, I would love to see Tampa make a, a series out of it for sure. It's just more entertaining. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, that's the thing, right? A team can be dominant to the point of yeah. having a seventy-five percent chance of winning, <laughs> but there's still a twenty-five percent chance of losing, right? Yeah. Like, yep. let, like I got the deck of cards, right? There's a one in four chance of each suit coming up. Well, a heart could still come up if I randomly cut the deck, right? And it did. Oh, that's oh, a Tampa good. win, right? Uh, do it again, so, do it again, do it again. Oh, boy, let's try here. Look, <laughs> so again, just like that, we could have a three-two Tampa Bay City. One more. One more. I'm going to shuffle it beforehand, too, so no one thinks I'm... At no funny business. So now here. we have Tampa up three two. If you pull a heart here, you tie the wager. All right, let's let's pull somewhere random. Uh, I dropped it. Okay, uh, oh. this is totally random. I'm just gonna pull it from here, and it's a it's the same card as before. Uh, so that's what can happen with a twenty five percent chance. Uh, it can hit every single time. What just um, happened? Do one more. Do one more. Do one more. <laughs> it's a diamond. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but no, like that's that's the thing, right? Uh, having do being the best team and giving yourself the best chance to win, you can run to that hot goalie, and yeah. uh, and things can turn around on you. And uh, they they just need to they need to look at those stats and be like, okay, hey, we were the better team. We should change nothing. Yeah, because they genuinely yeah. should change nothing except Darcy Kemper should be better. Uh, but that's about it. They're calling you the magician in the chat now. <laughs> yes, that's me. I love it. I love it. Do, uh, 
you want to talk about Dadanov a little bit? You mentioned him earlier in the show. Yeah, so Evgeny Dadanov, who I sort of used as the comparable to Andrei Kuzmenko, and that was because I saw some people on Twitter doing a similar thing, saying he's more of a Dadanov than a Panarin, was one of the quotes that I saw. Um, a Panarin would be nice, though, let's be real. Um, Evgeny Dadanov was part of a trade this week, going to the Montreal Canadiens for Shea Weber. Now, you might think, wow, Shea Weber, that's a really good player, except he's never going to play uh, again. It's basically a cap move. Uh, Montreal basically gets a player for free, a pretty good player who's making uh, a few million bucks, like five million bucks this next year on the tail end of his career, but a nice piece to add. And it also gets them some cap flexibility because the way LTIR works, long-term injury reserve, is you basically get cap relief for every dollar you are over the cap that the cap hit of the injured player is. Could have explained that way better. Um, basically, if Shea, if Shea Weber makes... $8 million. I don't know his exact number. It might be nine, might be whatever. Um, let's say he makes $8 million. Uh, Montreal to get any relief on that cap hit has to be $8 million over the cap. Right. Right. To maximize it. Uh, if yeah. they're a $70 million on the cap team, uh, they get no relief from it, uh, which means they don't accumulate any relief throughout the season, um, which is unfortunate. So they said, well, we can trade that away. A team like Vegas says, well, we're going to be against the cap anyways. Uh, we are always pushing the boundaries of what the cap can and can't do. Uh, so we'll take Shea Weber. We'll put him on LTIR for us. Uh, right. And that allows us to go over the cap by X amount. So right. um, Dadnov gets traded for the second time in a few months, this time for real. Uh, okay. The Anaheim Ducks responded. Did you see their tweet? Um, yeah. The Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights tweeted out, we've acquired Shea Weber in exchange for uh, getting Dadnov and the uh, Anaheim Ducks just re replied, you sure? Question mark, uh, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and uh, hey, another piece moves away from the Pacific Division. I mean, it's a, it's a piece that gives them cap space, but it does make Vegas work uh, worse, yeah. right? He had 40, 50 points this year, uh, 38 points. 50, I don't remember. I had it open. It's gone now. Um, but he's a half a point per game player that they are just not going to have this year. You know, some people were saying, oh, by the way, thanks to uh, Lucas for another $2 donation. Him also, He's also referencing Anaheim being like, you sure? Blitz also mentions you sure as well. So thanks again, Lucas. You know, I've seen some uh, people say, Parker, that Montreal could have done better, that they could have acquired almost a sweetener from Vegas for Vegas. Two things, getting the benefits. I know you're going to get to this in the second part of the deal the benefits of Shea Weber's contract, which is a lot of cap relief and not a lot of actual cash out. So because Vegas reaps such a benefit, people were saying Montreal could have done even more than Dadanov, i.e. a prospect, a pick, like some sort of sweetener. I'm not sure if you subscribe to that theory, but I did see that out there for sure. Yeah, potentially. I remember the initial trade. What was the initial trade to Anaheim? Do you remember? No. Um, let's see if I can find it. Um... I don't think there was anything in return, was there? Maybe there was. I can't remember. Um, yeah. Either way, I don't have it here. Uh, if I could, no, it's gone. Okay. Either way, um, they basically get nothing, right? They they get yeah. Shea Weber's contract, which can have benefit uh, or no benefit. It doesn't really do that much. Uh, mainly getting rid of Dadnov is the big benefit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, he's going to make $5 million. It was just one year left on the deal, right? Yeah. And I think he 
plays to a level where he's probably worth maybe four. Right. Right. So it's not like much of an overpay. Uh, And the Canadians get that benefit of just not having to LTIR just work that out. Right. Um, Yeah. Lucas is saying that Kessler's contract was involved uh, in that initial Uh, trade. uh, That makes sense. Um, yeah. by the way, I, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think Montreal is, I think Montreal is doing fine out of this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they get hurt by it. I think Vegas yeah. is doing fine out of this. One of those where it's just like, yeah, sounds good. Yep. A trade where both parties may win or at least yep. come out. Okay. Well, Montreal's not going to win many games, but they will have dad. I think the real loser might be dad enough, uh, going from a contender in Vegas to, uh, to Montreal. Well, he's going to a team that was in the Stanley Cup Finals just a short time ago, <laughs> and they were thirty second in the league. This is just this just a short shorter time ago. Um, yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Um, other stuff. That's kind of it on that one. I think. Um, sure. The coaching carousel. Let's talk about the coaching Ooh. carousel because uh, it's always it's always flying around. The Canucks hired Boudreaux uh, a few months back, back in December. Um, Boston fired Bruce Cassidy last week, uh, which seemed like a shocking move um, considering Boston is still a good team. They have a bunch of guys getting old um, and they decided to get rid of Bruce Cassidy and Vegas always keen to replace a coach uh, quickly swept him up and he will now be the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's start there. Um, Basically replacing Peter DeBoer with Bruce Cassidy Upgrade, downgrade, what do you think? Upgrade for sure, for Vegas. Um, I'm so surprised when when Cassidy got fired by Boston. He's a good coach. He's relatively young, too. I, I think, um, and DeBoer has obviously ran his, whether it's his thing with Leonard or just overall, his message was seeming to get a little bit stale. So I think a huge win for Vegas there. Despite them being our competition, it was a good, it was a good move for them, for sure. I agree. And yeah, Pierre DeBoer, I, I didn't like their move from the beginning where they got rid of Gallant and brought in DeBoer. Bruce Cassidy ends up being on the market basically for six days, I think it was, before getting hired again. Um, so clearly in demand. Um, and yeah, he's 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 a good coach. Uh, and again, yeah. it's it's tough for us to judge exactly what coaches do. Um, but it was but just but judging on strictly uh, media reaction. Uh, from people who are more in the know in this stuff than we are, um, it seemed like one. Of, it seemed like a head scratcher. Um, Keep talking. I just gotta give Martin some privacy. <laughs> sounds good. Here I'll do this. Um, okay, even better. So, <laughs> so then the uh, we get the Florida or the Florida Panthers, the Philadelphia Flyers going out mm-hmm. making a hire of their own, picking up former Canucks head coach uh, for a a nice short stint. Uh, John Tortorella going to Philadelphia. The strangest. So I think I've told you, Parker, I like Tortorella when he was here. The Canucks were actually playing quite well. He had the Sedins blocking shots and killing penalties. And everything was going good until that Calgary dressing room fiasco. Now, the surprising thing to me is Torts going back to a division where his New York Rangers are in. That's that's pretty crazy to me. That that's the one thing that stands out, and he he said all the right things during his his uh, Zoom meeting, saying that he's evolved. 
it's more of a player's game now. It's not so much X's and O's. It's rather give them a chance to succeed, blah, blah, blah. So I'm very curious to see how this goes. But I like Torts. I don't necessarily like the Flyers, but I, I do like Torts, and I'm curious to see how he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a fine. I think I think he sort of fits the vibe of Philadelphia, right? A little yep. bit angry <laughs> for the most part. Um, yeah, that that Calgary moment obviously is, is infamous here. Uh, I saw someone... <laughs> Uh, that had a story about how there's like a wall now between the dressing rooms that's only up during Canucks games and not uh, like during concerts and stuff. It's, it just gets retracted, um, which I think is pretty funny. That's the torts wall just because of that. That's, that's hilarious. Um, and then the other hire that gets done here, the Dallas stars go out and hire Peter DeBoer, who yeah. has really gone through the ringer of coaching jobs. How many times has he been fired lately? Well, he's on his, that's his third team in how many years, whatever. Yeah. So he coached, um, in the last, I guess, since 2008, he, this is his, this would be his fifth team, right? He coached Florida for three years, New Jersey for four, San Jose for five, Vegas for three. So he's never made it more than five years as a head coach and actually Mm -hmm. never made it five years. That San Jose year, he got fired halfway through, picked up by Vegas halfway through that season. And so only two and a half years in Vegas um, where they lost in the final and then they lost in the third round. Um, they didn't lose in the final. It says round four, but that was the bubble. So I guess it was round. F- they went five rounds. What a weird way for them to put it here. Um, but hey, he was the coach of the year in the OHA. Uh, I guess the OHL is supposed to be um, in yeah. 1999 and 2000. So that's good. Um, We heard basically there was DeBoer as an option. Travis Green was an option in Dallas. What do you think would have been a better pick for them? Isn't it funny how Dallas kind of goes with kind of the safer non, I don't say nondescript. That makes it sound like it didn't have personality, but the Hitchcocks. The The middle of the road. Right, yeah, the, the low risk, low reward yeah. type of type yeah. of guys, and I'd say DeBoer's like that too. Um, Travis Green, you could argue, is kind of of that mold as well. So I have nothing against DeBoer; he's out of our division now. But um, so I'm happy for him that he, he got a job. I'm a little bit surprised if, but obviously, maybe Dallas wants to forge a different identity. Maybe I don't know. I, it was kind of surprising to me, but at the same time, it didn't it didn't sweat me if that makes sense. Yeah. I yeah. it's one of those ones where I, I would pick neither personally. Yeah. Um yeah. we had the Travis Green experiment. Um I I I would have been pretty unhappy if DeBoer was uh, was around. You know, there's guys like Barry Trot still in the market. Yeah. Um as uh, as Lucas mentioned, which is a pretty uh you know, yeah, pretty big piece. Uh maybe a boring piece, but a a very sure. good one nonetheless. Uh so wherever he ends up will be interesting. Uh, I think Florida was it Florida who's signing some guy today. Kevin Weeks had a had a tweet. I think because okay. I think you were asleep during this. Um, I'm sure I was. It was the, it was the Blackhawks, I think. Um, yeah. Loading it up, loading it up, loading it up. Um, Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, I think he deleted a tweet. Oh, um, interesting. I think he mentioned it was some guy who was like an assistant somewhere. And then he said, per my last tweet, be in touch with people who are the Blackhawks. I'm told situation remains fluid, working towards hiring a new head coach. So mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? Before we get too far, did we uh, 
address or recognize Justin's contribution as well? I don't well? think we did. Justin with awesome. the $5 super chat. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, saying Justin. it was Dadnov and a conditional second round pick for Kessler Conduct and John Moore. Gotcha. So maybe they could have got more for uh, for that Dadnov contract. Maybe that was but a thought. Yeah. Fair enough. And, and speaking of Travis Green, we have heard, Parker, that he is one of the five or six candidates for Florida. Yeah, that is a weird one to me um considering florida technically still has a head coach or an interim head coach at the very least and andrew brunette um what a weird scenario where you have a guy come in coach your team on an interim level uh become the highest scoring team in the national hockey league um and then just be like all right hey love you we're gonna go interview all these guys uh hang tight right basically like look you're great but you know i want to we want to go just test the waters see if anyone else wants to come here uh you know you'll you'll stay as an assistant actually hey if we don't hear back from anyone though you're our guy like it's just a it's a very weird vibe um if i'm a guy like andrew brunette i think he's got some cachet now after just being a head coach of a successful team i think other teams would be in on the market uh, if need be, um, yep. just a, a weird vibe out of Florida. Yep. Uh, it's a strange situation. Anytime there's an interim uh, tag on, on a coach, it, it's strange. It, it really is. But uh, that's the whole point of the word interim is, is it, it buys you time. It basically helps you figure things out. And um, I, I just don't see Florida hiring Travis Green as a, as a head coach, but We'll see. I, what's his track record? His track record was he didn't do so good in, you know, in a in a hot hockey hotbed. Well, maybe that's the point. Maybe they, they want to try him. Who knows? We, we'll see. I I, I want to give a shout out to Marcus Soberkin with a one dollar donation. Thank you, Marcus, for thank you your support as always. Yeah, that Travis. Wonder, Green, yeah, yeah. I wonder if their thought is okay. Well, we have good forwards already, so we don't need yeah. an offensive coach, right? We can get a guy yeah. like Travis Green to come in and try to maybe shore up the defense or, or focus more on that side of the ice while we can still score a lot with guys like Barkov and, uh, and Huberto and the, all them uh, where they think maybe they can get away with a Travis green. Um, but they still are paying Sergey Borovsky $10 million and they were still the top of their division basically this year. Yeah. Uh, that seems like a really risky move to me. Yeah. And then maybe they have to step back see the big picture and say look who we lost to we lost to a, a juggernaut in the east and that you know is one game within being tied with you know well, i don't have to go all that just say they lost to tampa so uh, yeah i don't want it to be an overreaction for them but uh florida always does some funky things once in a while so we'll see <laughs> yeah yeah we'll see how that turns out and that takes us to about six minutes left in the show. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm all out. I'm fresh out of topics. So, folks in the chat, uh, we we got about five more minutes of Clay live from Sweden. Uh, so let's uh, let's. If you have any questions, um, you know, we talked about Kuzmenko at length. If you missed any part of that, and you have any Kuzmenko questions, um, you can ask him. You might also yeah. want to just go back to the beginning and and catch up on those. Uh, And I'll say, I'll do this spiel before we get to the end. If you missed any part of this show, we do have a lot of you guys in here. Um, uh, You can find it on your favorite podcast platform about 20 minutes after it ends. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just search Canucks After Dark. It's also linked in the description. 
Uh, so make sure you do that and hit that subscribe and those like buttons while you are here. All right. Get some awesome. questions over, in. Over 100 people in here. People must be excited, not about Sweden, about Kuzmenko. That's great. That's awesome. It's definitely that you're in Sweden. That's got to be it. <laughs> uh, they heard. They saw your tweet. Yeah. And they are uh, they are excited. Peter says, is Alvin the most handsomest GM the Canucks have ever had? Well, you know, recent, if you go again with recent guys, I would say he's a tiny bit more handsome than Benning. Um, Gillis noticed. Weird. Yeah. He's got them beat. And, you know, the, uh, how do I say that? No, I'll just say it. I thought I saw Alvin yesterday, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't him. <laughs> in in Helsingborg? Yeah. Sweden. Yeah. So. I, think, I think he saw another bald Swedish man. Okay. Uh, would okay. be my There's only guess. a couple of those guys. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Fangirl mentioning the schedule. Uh, when does schedule drop? I think it was mid July. Yeah. They. Yeah. It seems a little earlier this year. But yeah, that is good. To... I like that because I wanna. I wanna do some trip planning potentially. Uh, yeah. And I do like yeah. that schedule coming out so I can, you know, see. Oh, is there a game? Maybe because because my goal, which you know, eventually is I want to see a game in every NHL arena. Yes, including Arizona State University. Um, mm -hmm. so I think, uh, you know, if I have to end up somewhere warm in November or February, that would be lovely. Um, yeah, no and then there. maybe, maybe knock the Alberta ones off the list earlier in the season. Uh, hopefully yeah. when it's a little bit warm, uh, but we yes, that would be good. Yeah, I agree. We can combine Harry and Jed's, uh, by saying, yes, we talked about Kuzmenko for the first half an hour. Uh, contract is one year and for nine fifty, with some bonuses and, could he be Brock's long-term replacement? We didn't actually link it like that, but he mm -hmm. does give the Canucks options in, in a time where they're negotiating with Brock, Horvat, and Miller. Yeah, and that was a little tricky too because we talk about long-term replacement, right? Uh, first thing I look at is age. Yep. Uh, Best was a year younger, right? Keep that in mind. Um, mm. Points-wise, we thought, what, Kuzmenko might be 45, 50 points? Yeah. Uh, basically, Brock Besser, right? Um so in that sense, maybe um, how much money is Brock Besser going to be making next year? You know, that's to be seen still could be the QO of, of seven plus. It could be uh, the uh, it could be a longer term, shorter or longer term, lower money, uh, sort of like a six by six, six by five, something along those lines. Uh, in which in this case, I think if Kuzmenka is putting up 50 points this year, I think he's signing a deal not too dissimilar of what Brock Besser would be signing as well. Right. If they're Correct. the same player. Um, yeah. So it's a little tricky, right? Um, you know, do you want to go with, if you're, if you if you have to take one, are you taking the guy who has been a Canuck his whole career? Uh, mm -hmm. or are you taking the guy who's been in Russia his whole career? Right, 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 right. I go with the Canuck. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Unless Kuzmenko is insane. Then I'll go with the insane. Yeah. That would be good too. <laughs> Cody, how long do you guys see the Stanley Cup going now? So basically saying going now, meaning two things. We can change from our prediction and given what we've seen, I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado wins the next two. That's my hot take. Yeah, it's all down to Vasilevsky at this point. Again, we've seen yeah. three straight games of Colorado being dominant. We've seen one game of Vasilevsky being dominant. Um, yeah. Small sample size, but I'm going to take the team that's been dominant every game over the goalie that's been dominant in one. Um I, I could see it going to six, right? I could mm -hmm. see Vasilevsky stealing one more. Um, 
And then, you know, maybe Vasilevsky stealing a game is separate from Tampa Bay being the better team in a game, and maybe it goes seven. Um, I, I still have Colorado as my favorite here. Uh, I, I, I did say Tampa Bay last week, but that was yeah, for the wager um, yeah. to be to because that was my only shot. Um, but I, I see it being Colorado in five or six. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's the thing. Tampa Bay wins the next game and it's it could go either way. Right. Because yeah. then it all really comes down to game five. For sure. For sure. All right. It's 8 a.m. for you, 11 p.m. for me. Would you like to wrap up here? Yeah, we'll just do one more. Uh, sure. I like uh, RJ's, King RJ's. Would you guys keep Miller and trade Horvat? I wouldn't um, because Miller's going to cost more and you can get more. That's yep. my thought. Um, and, and there's not a huge, there is a bit of drop off, but there's not a huge drop off. They say, play the same position. And even the way that Rutherford has been talking about Horvat and his importance to the team, it, I'm not saying it's way more than Miller's. That's that would be silly to say, but it's he's talked about captaincy and and negotiating with Horvat's people. I I just have a sense if you had to choose to trade one, it would make more sense to trade Miller and age too. All those yep. things. Miller's yeah. going to cost more, a couple yeah. million bucks more a year. Yeah, uh, he is going to age out sooner. He yes. just had the best season of his career by far. Players yes. typically peak around his age. Yes. Uh, he is the perfect sell high candidate um, for if the Canucks were on the edge of winning. I might change my mind. Yeah. If the Canucks were trying to win a Stanley Cup this year, yep. then I would take Miller over Horvat, and I would say, "Well, just don't even bother extending him yet because he's basically yours for under six million dollars this year." Um, However, that's not the scenario the Canucks are in, and I don't think they're going to be in that scenario next year. Yeah. So if we're talking about, okay, let's say they're pushing for it three years from now, is JT Miller a 99-point player in 2024-25? Unlikely. Very unlikely, right? Maybe he's a, maybe he's still a 60-point player, which would be great, but keep in mind, he's he's never put up 99 points in a season before this one. Yeah. Um I just think you're going to get so many more assets for JT Miller than Bo Horvat. You're going to probably, he's probably going to sign a contract that will be bad in the long run. While his Horvats will probably just be normal. Um, I think it's, it's just a, it just seems like such an easy move that if you had to pick one, although he's the worst player, you would take Bo Horvat. Agreed. Mic right. drop. Beautiful. Uh, folks, I see a lot of you just sort of piled in now, which is weird. Uh, thank you guys very much for hanging out with us tonight. We're wrapping up here. It's 11 p.m. for me. I got to go to bed. Clay's just waking up. It's 8 a.m. In, in Sweden. Uh, so we're going to wrap up. Like I said a few minutes ago, if you missed any part, you can rewind back to the beginning here on YouTube. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. Hit like. You can also find this on your favorite podcast platform in a matter of minutes. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast. They're all good. They all do the same thing. They all play Canucks after dark, and that is all you need. Um, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be lovely. I have not checked in a long time if anyone has. Uh, it doesn't look like it, so you guys should. Um, yeah. And um, now I think we're going to be back next week. Is That's that correct? Yeah. Okay. I think we initially said we wouldn't be. Uh, the plan now, next Monday, 10 p.m. as well, um, which so make sure you're subscribed. 
Uh, you can follow each of us on our own platforms as well. I'm Parker's Pucks on YouTube and Twitter. He's Canuck Clay on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, we both dropped videos about Kuzmenko today. So if you want our uh, more of our takes on that, you can find those there. Um, otherwise, Clay, any parting words for yeah, this wanna, morning in Sweden? I'll give a shout out to Martin, my my great roommate, who's he's had to sit quiet for the past hour. Thank you, Martin. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, uh, wish us luck. Jake, uh, Martin's daughter, uh, bowls today in singles. Jacob bowls tomorrow in singles. And uh, uh, Martin and I, and we're looking forward to a wonderful week. And we're just going to put the adversity behind. Uh, I'm going to put Jacob's adversity behind me. Jacob's got to put his adversity behind. And, uh, and this is Martin. Great show, hey Martin. People. <laughs> uh, and you said there's yeah, a live cool. stream of of Jacob's matches. Yes. So because, and I'll just take thirty seconds to explain this. Because of the nine hour time difference, and they bowl, it could be nine a.m., it could be one p.m., it could be six p.m. So it's always going to change every day. For anyone who wants to actually see Jacob play, I will try my best to update it. Uh, usually on Twitter or my socials or even on my on my own YouTube community page. But thank you, Parker. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Jake can do with brand new bowling balls. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds good. Um, folks, thank you guys very much for watching tonight. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week, as we said, next Monday, same time, same place, 10 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 7 a.m. Swedish time. Have a good night. I will see you all next week.